We welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. Glad that you're here, trusting that the Lord has encouraged your heart this week. And as we start a new week on this Lord's Day morning, well, we will do so entering into the Lord's presence with joy and thanksgiving and praise upon our hearts. We're going to take our hymnal, turn to number 334, 334, and as you are turning up there, as we commence our worship today, we have been working on our projector in order to get back to having the hymns on the screen, but it's also a joy to be able to use the hymnal, and you're welcome to do that at any time anyways, but we've been having some technical difficulties, and it has been one of the supply chain issues that affects so many, many things. Even trying to get something that is new is very, very difficult. Nonetheless, we'll not, not let that hinder us at all in our worship today. Number 334, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and I wonder how He could love me, a sinner, condemned and unclean. We will stand pleased to worship the Lord.
may be seated. <clears throat> well, that is a theme that should never be far from the lips of a believer. And today, as we come to just still our hearts before the Lord in prayer, let that theme be upon our hearts today as we think of our Savior's love uh, for us. We'll bow, please, now before the Lord. Our loving Father, at the beginning of our service of worship today, we come to acknowledge our need of the Spirit of God. And we pray for the help of the Spirit in our praying and our singing, in the reading of Scripture, asking, Father, that our hearts would be in tune and in touch with our great God. Lord, we lift our praises, our thanksgiving, our worship to the One who is worthy of all that we can possibly give and so much more. Dear Father, today we acknowledge our great debt, a debt we could never pay for our have been forgiven, washed away by the precious blood of our Redeemer. And we know, Lord, now we will be in the presence of our great Savior. Father, I pray that today we would be very, very conscious of all things temporal, and they would not intrude or take away from things that are spiritual and of so much greater importance. Help us, Lord, to walk each day in the center of Your will. Help us to do that which is pleasing in Your sight. And Father, never let us dishonor the name of Jesus by our actions, by our thinking, by our words. Lord, glorify Your holy name through us today, we pray. Bless everyone gathered in person for our service this morning. I don't know, Lord, what all the needs of the individual heart are, but I'm thankful, Father, today for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which knows exactly the issues. And I pray that there would be words of comfort, words of encouragement, words of instruction from the Scriptures to every heart today, and that, Lord, You would direct me in my words, direct me as we look into the Scripture at the words that will be spoken in expounding on the truth, that, Lord, it might please Thee to help us, to show us, to direct us, to comfort us to carry us forward knowing that we trust in a sovereign God, Lord, one that knows the end from the beginning. And Father, our confidence is grounded and settled based upon the Holy Scriptures, trusting in the our sovereign God today. So, Lord, hear our prayers. Bless us and give us joy in the Spirit of God. Remember everyone watching today online, 
Encourage them. Bless them. Dear Father, strengthen every believer in the word of truth. So hear us today. Remember our nation. Remember, Lord, our churches that are without pastors today. Remember everyone who is faithfully proclaiming and lifting up the cause of Christ. And we pray that there would be joy in salvation. There would be joy in building up of people in each one of us in our own holy faith. Hear our prayer today. Encourage our hearts. Cause us to rejoice with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory to the honor of our blessed Lord and Savior. Remember our sick ones. We pray for our brother Steve Kelly today. Remember Serene. Put your hand upon our brother Ron and many others, Lord. We just commit each one lovingly into your kind and caring hands. Bless us as we continue now in our worship. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Turning to number 336. The King of Love, my shepherd, is a hymn that is based on Psalm 23. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
Let's turn now for our Bible reading to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. The book of Hebrews, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, please feel free to take thy red pew Bible in front of you and turn up there. Book of Hebrews, chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He hath by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said He at any time, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire, but unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. We'll end our reading there. We trust that the Lord, as always, will bless His Word to your heart and encourage you. As we have been reading here in this first chapter of Hebrews, such a contrast the Holy Spirit is making between the created beings of the angels and the uncreated Son of God. We glory 
and the great condescension that Jesus has made to come down to a sinful world for the redemption of our souls. And God the Father is glorified when we honor the Son and we lift Him up. And that's, of course, the very reason and purpose for our existence as a church today. It is that we might honor our Lord Jesus Christ and exalt Him above all things. And so, as you have come here to our service today, I hope that is in your heart as well. But maybe, friend, maybe you are not a Christian here today. You are not a believer. You've never come to trust in the Savior as your own. Then what would hold you back? Come to Him today. Call out unto Christ, because in repenting and calling out unto Him, you can know the joy and the peace of full salvation, of the forgiveness of your sins, and of the hope of eternity and of glory to come. And that is the very purpose that we are here for today, to share that gospel message with you. We are very happy that you are here today in the service and joining us online. And if you're visiting with us, you're very welcome. Returned again. We're happy that you're with us. And we pray that God would strengthen you and encourage you in the Lord. Much appreciation for Brother Diderno, who was preaching the Word last Lord's Day, and also to um, Brother Fraser and Mr. Robinson for taking the prayer meetings uh, while I was away. And uh, we also give a word of hearty welcome and thanks to our sister Hannah Kim, who last Lord's Day began uh, playing the organ in the place of Mrs. McClellan. Normally, Mrs. McClellan would be sitting up here at the organ or right in the first pew along with her husband, Dr. McClellan, but now they're far back in the back of the church and they've never sat there before in 46 years, never sat at the back of the church. So now they're not, they're, they know what it's like for the rest of you. Some of you are sitting at the back. Maybe you need to change. Now you come to the front and you'll see what it's like to sit in the front pew and uh, you can do a little bit of a change. We're very happy that everyone is here. And of course, our sister Dana, who's been playing the piano for a long time, we're always happy that she is in her place and ministering there as well. Please continue to pray for those in our congregation who are sick or needing a touch of God. We're thinking about Steve Kelly, about Serene Wong, and of course, our brother Ron Blair, and others. We Happy that, Serene, you're with us today in the service. We hold you up continually before the Lord in prayer. We know that others are praying for you as well. And Mrs. Caudry, we want to remember her in prayer. We know our sister is not enjoying the best of health at times and uh, supporting her before the Lord as well. And I ask you to remember in prayer, please, the Pregnancy Care Center. We have brought the needs of this important ministry it's not immediately connected with our church here. They are a, a parachurch organization. Their office is down at Morningside and Shepherd in the Morning Star uh, Community Church. That's where they have an office. And uh, we have supported them by our praying and some financial gifts as well in the very good work that they are doing in trying to give service and aid to 
people that are thinking or considering perhaps uh, abortion and they give a very, very important outreach and ministry to many, many people in different stages of that. Well, there is a special prayer request we ask you, and it's to do with the challenge of their charitable status. The federal government has taken its steps to try to defund or de I suppose when it has to do with charities, taking away that status because of their support of the pro-life position and the service and ministry that they are engaged in. So I would ask you to pray that God would protect them and help them and other ministries that are doing a similar type of service, and it would again be a prayer for the Lord to promote that which is good and to hinder that which is evil. And we need to be much in prayer for our government and for these important ministries. So please remember those things in your prayers. Our services today, this afternoon at 5.50, our prayer time before the evening service and our evening service tonight. And I want to continue in our study of the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. And it would be of good benefit for you to read over again chapter 4 uh, this afternoon before our evening service. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and the next Lord's Day, our services at the regular time. Don't forget, please, the sports fellowship, and that is on Friday evening between 6 to 9 in our school at gymnasium. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 306, and remaining seated while we sing number 306.
Let's stand, please, as we think and sing these final words. Oh, for the floods of a thirsty land. Oh, for a mighty revival. Oh, for a sanctified, fearless band ready to hail its arrival. Verse 5. meant to mention to you that the latest copy of our current magazine is now on the table at the back, and I think you'd be interested in reading some of those articles, and again, I encourage you to take a copy. We have plenty to go around, and uh, when you're finished, pass it on to a neighbor, friend, and they might be encouraged by reading the Word. Turn now, please, in your Bibles with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15. Gospel of John, chapter 15, we're going to read from the opening verse, the first six. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we have this word open, To us again today, 
I pray that our hearts will be opened to receive the truth. That you would take away from all of us anything that would distract. And blessed Spirit, that we would be taught, taught of God. Dear Father, whatever are the needs of the individual soul today, I pray that the exaltation of Christ and us dwelling upon the wonder and the majesty and the glory of His great person, that our thoughts would be turned heavenward and turned toward Him. And so, Lord, bless us today. Challenge our hearts. Help us to be done with lethargy and carelessness to do with the things of Christ, and that we might be devoted servants of the Most High God, trusting, relying, resting, pursuing with all our minds. Bless us now today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. John 15 and 16, our Lord gives to His disciples and to all of us, every follower of Jesus, words of instruction about our relationship with Him and, of course, with our Heavenly Father. The exact time and the place that these words were spoken in these two chapters are somewhat uncertain. But the allegory of a vineyard with Christ as the vine at the center, well, it is full of very precious teaching, and that teaching which warms the heart and which will encourage you I think us all, we pray to examine our spiritual state. What must be remembered always that when we're dealing with parables, we must draw out the main teaching from the parable and realize it is an earthly story that is given for the instruction of teaching us some heavenly truth, some divine reality and it ultimately boils down to our soul's salvation and how we are to walk as Christians. And, of course, in that walk to glorify our God. And so, in this parable, it is vivid. It is simple, but it is full of meaning. It has profound truth. We must always be careful when we're interpreting a parable not to stretch something beyond its basic purpose. Because when that happens, often it goes into some bizarre interpretations, um, unsanctified speculation very often. But in this story, the ground, the ground is tended by our Heavenly Father. He is the vine keeper. 
or as our translation refers to him as the husbandman or the farmer. The garden, it belongs to him. What it produces is for him. Equally clear is the vegetation that Jesus uses to describe Himself as a vine. Think about it for a moment. A piece of vegetation. But such is the gracious and very humble way of our Lord that He is willing to make Himself and to describe Himself as the very least so that we are able to understand His great purpose in salvation and of building up His church. And how that all this world and all of the structures of this world are but the scaffolding to fulfill the great purpose of God in building His church, of gathering in His people, ultimately to our final end of being in His presence forevermore. And so our Lord Jesus Christ humbles Himself and gives us this story, this illustration. And what do we learn from this? In the first place today, we learn that our Lord Jesus is the source of all physical and spiritual life. Think about that again. How does this world operate? How does this earth spin on its axis? How is the whole solar system moving? How does a plant grow? How does a mosquito come to bite you in the arm? A lot of those things may not be so pleasurable as we think about the wonders of creation. I saw a t-shirt once that had on the front of it a big picture of a mosquito, and it was Ontario's provincial bird. Well, sometimes I think we may think that way about some of these little creatures. But nonetheless, when we think about the wonders of God's purpose, the picture of our Lord Jesus of a vine, He is at the very center of all life. Once more, a familiar expression is used as Jesus describes Himself with the words, I am the true vine. I am. This expression that our Lord Jesus used and has used several times, familiar to us in the Gospels, but let us not ever forget that He is setting Himself forward as Emmanuel, God with us. The divinity of Christ. This is a doctrine that must not be ever devalued. It must always be presented. For my dear friends, if we do not have a divine Savior, then we do not have a Savior at all. He was not born of Adam. But He was man and called the Son of Man. 
And yet here, once more, he shows us that he is the great I am. These statements that he used, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the light, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the true vine. And yet all of these statements, they are showcased in the one undergirding statement that Jesus made in John chapter 8 when He said to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. And so declaring Himself as Jehovah. And at that, they took up stones to put to death the Son of God for blasphemy. How could any man make himself God? And it would have been blasphemy had it not been the Son of God that made that declaration. My dear friends, today, let us rejoice in the Son of God, in the divinity of Jesus our Lord. In John chapter 1, we are told that in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And we're told in the book of Acts that in Him we live and move and have our being. Those verses describe to us that Christ as the true vine is the center of all physical life. There cannot be life without Him. My dear friends, think about that when you take your next breath. For that breath has been given to you by the God that we worship as our Savior. Colossians 1 and verse 17 says, By Him, Christ, all things consist. That word consist is a fascinating one. It means to hold together. It's a word that means to cohere, to unify. And so when we think of this applied to Christ the vine, He is the one that holds all things together by His power. All things consist and cohere because of Him. And outside of our Lord, none of this would be possible. From Christ flows all physical life. And the illustration of the vine, it's given to show us that He is the source of power. He is the source of energy. He is the source of life. And if this is true in a physical world, it is emphatically true in a spiritual world. For as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on His name. When God 
breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. He was alive physically, and he was alive spiritually before God. But when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. The forces of death began to take hold on him physically. And one day he would go back to the dust from which he was created. And the spirit would be separated from the body. And the most precious gift that God gave to Adam is one which he had bartered away. He had forfeited that because of his own sin. But my dear friends, so great was the love of God toward us that the Lord did not leave us with Adam as our representative to be our destruction forever in hell. If God had have left us there, that's exactly what would have happened. We would have been separated from the Lord for all eternity, in a lost eternity. But the Lord, in His love and mercy, stepped in, and He determined that He would send His only begotten Son to be our Savior and Redeemer and Deliverer. All the riches of His grace. For Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 7, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. The question comes, friend, to you today, if you are not saved, in our church or online, and you're listening, are you in the vine? Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you part of Him? Does the life of Jesus flow through you? Many have a notion that they are spiritual. Maybe you've heard folks talk like that before. They would say, well, I'm spiritually minded. What does that mean when someone says that? Oftentimes it means this. They have a sense in which they are connected with the universe. There's some kind of cosmic energy that they think flows to them from whatever power or whoever's out there. And so in that sense, they look upon themselves as being spiritual. They say, the force is with me. But the problem is, they don't know what force is with them. And the force that is with them is not one of good and truth, but it is most definitely the force of evil and of darkness. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. That is, that do not believe in the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I encourage you today to look to Him, to see Him as the source of spiritual life and turn to Him, run to Him, flee to Christ, repent, because now is the accepted time. And believer, rejoice today as you have accepted Christ as your own, then you are in Him. 
You are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He belongs to you, and you belong to Him. And that causes great joy and peace in your heart today. So not only is the Lord the source of physical and spiritual life, but we learn in the second place that the Lord Jesus is the sustainer of our spiritual life. We know that from the vine flows all the nutrients and the moisture to give life to the branches. If a branch is severed, cut from the stalk, it shrivels and it dies. And the evidence of that death happens within minutes to examine the leaves. I wonder today, friend, having spiritual life in Christ, are we flourishing? Are we sending forth the leaves of evidence that there is life and the fruit that should follow? To have spiritual life, we must be connected to the vine. There is no spiritual life outside of Christ. When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, it was a, an exclusive statement. It was a statement very clearly and truly stating that if you want life spiritual, if you want hope of eternity in heaven, there's only one way that you will receive that. And that way is by the way of the cross, by the way of Jesus, by the way that has been so clearly shown for us to be born again of the Spirit of God. And once we are born again by the Spirit of God and we have been placed into Christ, we cannot ever lose that salvation. Now some folks have asked, and maybe it's come across your mind too, if Adam was created and perfect and he had spiritual life, he was alive to God, but he lost his relationship with God. What's the guarantee for us in Christ today that the same could not happen to us sometime in eternity? What's to say that we would not lose out some millions of years down the road, if we could even think of it that way, as Adam once eventually lost out in his salvation? What, what keeps us? What's the difference? The difference, my friend, is absolutely essential to our eternal life, and it is this, that we are now in a covenant union with our God through the covenant that He made with Jesus Christ, His Son. He gave unto Jesus a number of people. He gave unto Him those for whom He died. And therefore, based upon the price 
the atoning value of the cross work of our Lord Jesus. And because that price has been paid, it has been accepted by God in eternity. And it is God that now keeps me. I cannot keep myself. If it depended upon me, I would lose my salvation, but it does not, friend. It depends upon the fact that I am in the vine, and I have been grafted into the vine by the power of God. It's been guaranteed by an everlasting covenant, and I am now in union with my Lord. Some theologians call it the indissoluble union. It cannot be dissolved. It cannot be taken away. And God cannot require payment for my sin twice. He has already required that at the, at the hands of His only begotten Son. And when God required that payment of my sin at the hands of His Son, He can never, ever, ever require that of me. I am free today. I am free in Christ. I have been put into the vine. The evidence, the evidence that a branch is of a certain type of tree, it will be evidenced by the trunk or the stalk, by its appearance and by its shape. I'm not even talking about the fruit of that tree, because quite frankly, some trees don't produce fruit in themselves. They produce leaves. But think for a moment just about the branch of a particular tree. How do you know of what type of tree that that branch is from? You can tell by the shape of it. You can tell by the kind of bark that branch has. You can tell if you were to go a little deeper into the actual branch itself, it would have the similar characteristics of the trunk of that tree. And so, friends, the evidence that you are in Christ today is that you look like Him. You have the same texture. You have the same qualities the same characteristics. You are taking on the image of Christ Jesus. Now, I know where the parallel breaks down a bit is that we are still in the development stage. We don't completely look like Christ yet, but the Lord is working on us. And sometimes, as we often pray, Lord, You need to make that faster. You need to accelerate that process because... I don't seem to have much time left. And I see such a distance between the perfections of my Lord and the imperfections of myself. But the root of the matter is there. And the appearance is there. And the characteristic in its rudimentary form is there. And that's how we know that we belong to Him. For the believer, there are two ways in which our Lord Jesus will show us that. It's it's through the growth of a tree and its productivity. So as a tree grows or as a branch grows from the root, 
you will see more and more clearly the identification of that branch with the root and with the trunk. And so there will also be productivity, whether it is for a fruit-bearing tree or whether it's for a tree that bears leaves and seeds that will reproduce and cause more trees to grow. What is it like for a Christian, for a believer? How does that parallel come in? Well, it's quite simply the same in two factors, that we have our sanctification and we also have fruit-bearing. So sanctification, it means to be set apart or to be cleansed. And the Spirit of God is working in every single child of God, every single Christian, we are being worked on so that we'll be more conformed to the image of Christ. How does the Lord do this? He uses means for us to grow. And we've talked before many times about the means of grace. You are in the means of grace right here today as you are sitting and listening to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses this form of preaching and teaching to instruct His people, and it's a means of grace. As you are here obediently to the Lord, you are here willingly. No one forces you to come. You are here because you're hungry for the Word. You're hungry for spiritual truth. And that hunger is what the Spirit of God has placed within you. And so as you derive this from the ministry of the truth, it's one way. It's a major way in which God leads us in our sanctification. He uses also the means of gathering together with other believers in worship, in our worship and in our fellowship. No man is an island. You've heard that before. We can't live completely alone by ourselves without the need of other Christians and other believers to help us. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one Christian will help another Christian. The fellowship in the body of Christ is so essential. You can't just do this on your own, friend. You need to have others who will help you, perhaps pointing out blind spots that we have, pointing out areas where, you know, you might want to think about that and not go down that road, Christians are to be helpful one to another. And that fellowship that God brings together within a church, a local church, He uses that in our sanctification. Therefore, let us not be so proud that we will refuse the direction or instruction that's given to us or perhaps a little word of encouragement along the way our own natural man, and well, we don't want to be told what to do. We're, we're proud in ourselves, but we need to be humble to say, yes, Lord, I understand that. I get that. And that's how he uses other believers to instruct us and to teach us along the way. He uses, as we mentioned, preachers and teachers, but here he uses also trials and disappointments. Those trials that we go through, maybe it's bad health. Maybe it's a financial problem at this point. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. There are a number of ways in which a thousand more that God's Spirit will use in the life of the Christian. 
And He uses those things in our lives to what? To lessen our grip upon this world. It's like the Lord is prying our fingers off as we're holding tightly on these things. And He said, no, no, I don't want you to be so firmly tied up in those things. But I want you to release yourself unto me and to my way and to my will. And all of these are part of the processes that the Lord uses to help us along our way. And of course, another evidence of the branch being in the vine is going to be bearing fruit to replicate the tree or else fruit that you can satisfy others by. And that fruit-bearing unto God is an essential part of the evidence of our Christian growth. And what type of fruit-bearing are we talking about? How, what does this look like? Well, it looks like this. When you are witnessing of your salvation, when you're telling other people about what the Lord means to you, and the form of witnessing, well, there are very, there are many. It's not just audible. It's going to be by our testimony. That's a major part of it. It's going to be by using the technology that you have available to you in printed form or in text, digital form, a thousand ways. But your witness is essential, friend. And therefore, let our witnessing, let the exercising of our gifts and the talents that the Lord has blessed us with, let us use those things because it's evidence of bearing fruit. And of course, in a local fellowship, it's going to be serving others. Serving others and not just believers. Because oftentimes in the neighborhood setting, you're going to be living next door to someone or across the street or whatever the case may be across the hallway who's not a believer. And in your love and charity and service, it may be a way that God will use that you have an opening to share your faith audibly with that person. Fruit-bearing is by our, our prayer and our supplication. And let me encourage you again, believer, about the public prayer meeting. I encourage you to come. I encourage you to come and to participate because as you do, and you serve the Lord in that way, and you are a testimony. Every once in a while, I maybe hear of someone, or someone says, oh, someone prayed in the prayer meeting, and it's such a blessing. Maybe even a new Christian. It's such an encouragement to others and to you as well. It's part of the fruit-bearing that the Lord gives, and of course, by teaching and by our humble obedience of the Word of God. So our Lord Jesus is the source of all life. He is the sustainer and the producer of all of our spiritual life. And there is a final thought I leave with you today. Our Lord, being the true vine, it means this, that there are false vines pretending to be real. Why else would Jesus say that word, I am the true vine? For He above all else knows that there are many false 
vines. One of the stern warnings that Jesus gave to His church was to beware of false Christs. Either those claiming personal Messiahship or saying, here is Christ or there is Christ. He said in Matthew 24 specifically, do not follow them. Well, if you're not going to follow them, you have to have discernment to know whether they're right or wrong, whether the person's right or wrong. How will you have that discernment? You will have that discernment by coming back to the Scripture and by praying for the light of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your thinking and your life. You will have that discernment, friends, by coming, as you are doing today, under the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will direct His truth to your heart. That's how, and that's why it's good for us all to be praying for discernment and for wisdom from the Holy Spirit. The early church was plagued with false teachers and false apostles and false scriptures. Yes, false uh, scriptures. They are called the pseudopigraphic writings. The word pseudo simply meaning false. Like the Apocrypha in the Old Testament... Or you have books like the Gospel of Barnabas, the Gospel of Judas, and so on. There are many of them in the New Testament. It underlines that much history was written which was not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Having said that, it doesn't necessarily mean that all secular history is evil or that has untruth in it. Not at all. Much of history that is recorded is factual and is truthful, but it's not necessarily inspired by God. A major, major difference. All this goes to prove when you're dealing with the false scriptures or false history that from the beginning, Satan has planned and purposed to cast doubt upon God's holy Word. And he casts doubt upon the Word by, first of all, raising a question. Is it true that God said that? And then after the question has been asked, he will come out with the outright denial. That is not true, what God has said. And so also, our Lord's person, the person of Christ and His work, it will be smeared or distorted to present another Jesus, another Christ, one that is not divine, one that may be good, may be a prophet, may have moral teachings, but He is not the Christ that is divine, and He is not the one that is to be followed. Beware, friend. There are false vines out there, and many of them. And we must always, by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, be following the truth. John, the apostle, warned that there were false prophets as there were in the Old Testament times, so there would be false teachers in the early church. And those that were carrying on the work of Satan right to the end of time. And we are still seeing, witnessing that today. 
So friend, today, are you following the true vine? It's a sad reality that in the visible church of Christ today, there are many who will call themselves Christians, but their life and their teaching, they are not Christian. They are anti-Christ. They have turned away from the truth, and they promote evil under the name of truth. Understand that today, friend. False vines promoting evil, calling it truth. I have an illustration for you that is one that is shocking, beyond shocking, actually. And it's a current one, July 2022. At the 80th General Convention of the Episcopal Church in Baltimore, Maryland, one of the resolutions that they put forward, D-083, the title of it is Addressing the Erosion of Reproductive Rights and Autonomy. I have a strong feeling that this is in light of the overturning of Roe versus Wade that was in place for over 50 years and saw the murder of over 63 million babies. Grasp those figures today. There are five points in this resolution. I read to you numbers 3, 4, and 5. Resolved that the Episcopal Church recognizes that access to abortion is a key element in preserving the health, independence, and autonomy of those who can bear children. What about, I would ask, is the concern of the Episcopal Church for the preserving of health the autonomy and the independence of the unborn child. The next point, resolved that the 80th General Convention affirms that all Episcopalians should be able to access abortion services and birth control with no restriction on movement, autonomy, type, or timing. And be it further resolved that the 80th General Convention understands that the protection of religious liberty extends to all Episcopalians who may need or desire to access, to utilize, to aid others in the procurement of, or to offer abortion services." your head would spin as you hear that. You say, how could this possibly be that a so-called Christian organization, Episcopalian, the name is Anglican, an organization that is totally apostate 
They are not a Christian church. They have left the teachings of the Word of God. If it is not, my dear friends, their full support of the LGB movement, it is their full support of the murder of the innocent. This is a false and a corrupt vine. And the very reason why Christ had to make this stark contrast of saying, I am the true vine. For there are many false. But friends, there is also a wide range of thinking among Christians today regarding social issues and lifestyle. And I say this to you that it all ultimately boils down to the authority of the Bible in the personal life. Does the Word of God receive our respect and obedience? Do we fear God with a reverential fear that causes us to stop and consider our ways, consider our thinking, causes us to stop as David did in Psalm 119, verse 59. He said, I thought on my ways, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I read that the other day, and I thought, I don't think I've ever seen that before in the Scripture. I've read Psalm 119 I don't know how many times. But isn't that the way the Word is? It just comes out like a bright beacon. David said, I thought on my ways. I considered deeply the path I was going. And, he said, I turned my feet unto thy testimonies, unto the Word of God, because that is the direction that we are to go. And in verse 97 of the same psalm, he said, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Friends, in conclusion today, I say to you that there is no hope of spiritual life for you outside of a personal knowledge and relationship with the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there can be no living to the honor of our Savior without a total submission to His will and to His ways that are revealed in the Scripture. And so I say today to all of us, let us renew our devotion and our commitment to the true vine. Let us renew our devotion, commitment to the Word of God that reveals His truth. And say, Lord, whatever time I have left, sanctify me, set me apart, make use of me for Your kingdom and glory, and keep me, Lord, from the devil's temptations. Keep me from stumbling and falling. Let me be a bright light to shine in a dark place as the world 
closes in on the Christian witness, and it closes in on us. We need to be strong in Him. And praise God, there is victory today for us. Praise God, there is the reviving that we pray for and we depend on calling on Him. Let us rejoice in Him today and not be at all cast down, but to commit our way unto Him. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. Let's close, please, in prayer. Father, we have scratched the surface on this great verse of Scripture today and these most astounding words that Jesus spoke. And I pray that we will turn them over and over again in our minds and we will dwell and feast richly on their value. And that, Lord, you would help us each day. Bless us on your day now. Keep us in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And bring us back again tonight. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.